Well, we were doubly blessed this morning. Thank you, Jamie and Liz. I'd like to tell you not to start your clocks, but I can't do that. Stan's already stolen that from me. Um, we're in a series uh, called Fixer Upper. We've been looking at relationships through uh, the Old Testament, in particular looking at marriages that teach us some things on on uh, our relationships one with the other. And though we're talking about marriage, this goes into all of us that have relationships in our lives every week. Last week we talked about the idea that when God puts someone in our life in a relationship, we looked at a husband and a spouse and that God gives us that spouse so that that spouse can help take someone that is weaker. That means us that have been maybe weakened by the things of life and they come alongside of us, God intends to use them to make us stronger. And that, that happens in marriages, but it also happens in relationships and it happens in churches. When we encourage one another, when we lift people up, we make the church, come on, this is a good place to stay, say amen. When we encourage and lift one another up, we make the church stronger. And so today we're going to look at Abraham, uh, who was called Abram, and then he had a wife named Sarai that would later we would know her as Sarah. And we're going to begin looking at this idea of fixer-upper this morning in relationships that we have in our lives. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And as you're turning, let me pray for us. Father, you have, you have been so good to all of us that we could just stand in your presence this morning and just look full into your wonderful face and give you thanks. Everyone that was discouraged this week, everyone that was going through a difficult time and their heart was oppressed, and today they come into this place and something happened, some something transpired in their life maybe it was while a song was being sung this morning and suddenly there is joy in our heart and a smile on our face and that is because you are the lifter of our heads and so father i pray now as we open our hearts to your word teach us we desperately need a word from you today holy spirit you are in this place And so may you not just be in this place in general, but may you come into the place of our hearts this morning and speak to us. We need to hear from you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, when you got engaged, or even, even before that, as you dreamed about being married, how, how, did you, how did you think it would turn out? What did you think your marriage would be like? What did you think your life together with that special person would be like, you know, that you'd be like, head over heels in love, and every time they walked into the room, your heart would just race. You'd have that same feeling all through your marriage. You'd have, you know, a perfect little home with a perfect little picket fence and perfect little children. You would have a dog, uh, not a cat, uh, because we're <laughs> I'll get more emails this week. Um, You'd grow old together, you'd laugh together, you'd enjoy laugh together, and all through life you'd just have that silly, tingly feeling, and you would just sustain that throughout your life together. 
But you fast forward five years or 10 years or 30 years or 40 years or more, and maybe you're here thinking, you know what, that may have been how we started out, but right now we're just, I'm just hoping we can stay married. I'm just hoping that we can get through this thing. We're just trying to pay the bills, we're trying to exist, we're trying to raise our kids, trying to keep them out of jail. And the only feeling I have right now is tired, right? Because our expectations a lot of times don't always line up with reality. Sometimes midway into the marriage, midway into the relationships, you end up uh, thinking, this isn't how I thought it would be. I've counseled many times in marriages where a husband or a wife would sit across the desk and say, you know, it was, we had a great relationship and we were dating and we got married and I don't know what's happened, but this isn't just, this isn't what I thought it would be. Sometimes they're saying it's much better, but often it's worse, but rarely is it exactly like we expect it would be. Vicki and I spent an enormous amount of time before we were married, uh, just together, getting to know one another, understanding each other better. And when we fell in love, we, we fell hard. We knew that God had made us for each other. We just, we just knew that. We had so many dreams about what our life would be like. And here's what I would just say from my perspective. As, as I look back at what we dreamed early on, Everything in our life is really different than we planned. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm saying it's for us it's much better, but it's, it's different. It's not what we thought. And so we come into Genesis chapter 12 today, and there, there is this passage here where God is going to speak to Abraham in chapter 12, verse 1. And here's what he says to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your people, your father's household, And go to the land that I will show you. And then God looks at Abraham and makes this incredible promise to him. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And Abraham's called to leave the comfortable. He's called to leave everything that he has, his family, his friends, his relationships, his, even his riches and wealth. He, he's asked to just give all that up and just trust God and follow God. And God says, I know you got this, but I'm going to make your life into so much better than what you thought it would be. And I just think this morning that God is going to speak to some of you in this place, maybe today, but I think in the coming months and in this year, and impress on you to live your life by faith. And though he's been good to you, come on, and though, is my mic must not be working right now. Listen, I can take as long as I want today, all right? So if it just takes you a long time to hear me, I'll just repeat myself. God has been, you know, he's been so good. And I believe God is going to speak to some of us. He's been good to us. But he's going to challenge us to live our life, whatever that means, whatever we have left. And none of us know how long that will be, right? But God's going to speak and say, I wish for the rest of your life, I want to take you to a new level. I want you to live your life by faith. I'm going to ask you to do some things that you won't be able to see how it's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to step out in faith and you're not even going to sure how I'm going to hold you up, but I want you to follow me into the unknown. 
And what I want to say is when God asks you and wants you to trust him more than you have ever done before, will we be obedient? Now, the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11:8, by faith, Abraham. So now we're going back to Abraham, talking about him now in the New Testament. When, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, meaning he didn't know it, he didn't know what it was, it would come later. He obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Because here's, what I, here's the deal with God. Faith, it, the Bible says if we want to please God, we have to live by faith. Faith means I always have to take a step into the unknown. Faith means I'm always stepping out into something that I don't have the details for yet. I don't know how it's all going to work out. You, you, you may not be able to handle the details. Because if you, if, you, if you knew everything that God wanted to do in your life, you might not, you might not obey him. If you knew all the places God wanted to take you, you may not go there. You, you don't understand the outcome. We don't think as God does. And so oftentimes God doesn't show us everything because he knows we can't handle that yet. And we might not even step forward if we knew. Because if you had the details, it wouldn't take faith. We would already have it worked out. So Abraham, or as he's called here now, he's Abram and Sarai, they get a promise. And here's the promise. You're going to be a great nation. He's in a great nation. He's got all the family, all the friends, all the riches, and God says, I want you to leave all that behind. You go. I'm going to make you into an even greater nation. You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to have lots of grandkids. Now, if you look in the New Testament, and that's all that you look at, if you look in the New Testament, it shows that they had a great faith, that Sarai and Abram had this incredible faith in God, but today we're going to see they didn't always have a great faith. They had, they had moments where they were filled with doubt and they didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. And we're going to see today how often they would mess up, how often they would fall short of having faith in God. And here's the deal. This, enc this encourages me because sometimes my faith is weak. Is yours? I mean, sometimes my faith is just weak. And this is such an encouragement to me. All right, let me, let's move on. There's three faith lessons about marriage. But these are faith lessons in any relationship that we have. And let me do a little time out here. I didn't do anything about the one coming up on April 5th. Have you invited your one yet? Um, be working on that. See, you don't even need to pray about that. Now, you can pray about who it is. You, you, there's, some things in the, there's some things we just don't have to pray about. I don't have to pray about whether or not God wants me to serve him. I don't have to pray about whether or not God wants me to tithe. <laughs> I don't, you know, Pastor, I'm praying about that. You don't need to pray about it. Just be obedient. I, I don't have to pray about whether God wants me to be evangelistic and reach out and invite people into a relationship. I don't have to pray about that. And here's what I want to do to encourage you. Somebody jumped the gun. They did not obey. They did not listen. And they invited somebody to come before April the 5th. Can you believe that? And I got a card this week. On my desk and it said this person that was here last week said I want to know how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ now why yeah come on clap that's good stuff you ought to clap over that um, 
Why are we doing an April 5th thing? Is it because that's a special day? No. Why are we encouraging you to bring somebody on April 5th? It's because what will happen on that day, hopefully, will be the life transformation that this young man wants to experience. But that kind of thing, our heart and our desire to bring people to a relationship with Christ, listen, it should be a part of our DNA every week. We should develop an expectation that every week there's going to be some new people coming in and that every week there's going to be some people coming into a relationship with Christ. Amen? All right. Here we go. Three faith lessons in their marriage. Um, the first one is we can fall victim to fear. Abram did. There was a famine so bad that he moved his family to Egypt and he ran into fear and made some sinful decisions because if you look at verse 11, it says, as Abram was about to enter Egypt... He said to his wife, so now he's on this journey, but he gets to Egypt and fear grips his heart. And here's what he did. He said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. That's a good thing to say. But when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But we'll let you live. In other words, here's what he's saying. I know God has called us to do this, and I know we're on this journey, but fear grips his heart. And he says, however, God didn't look at this part of the situation. God didn't understand this part of the situation. You're so beautiful, they're going to kill me and take you, and his life is gripped with fear. And so he says to his wife, I want you to tell a lie. I want us to just start out our relationship on deceit. And he says, say you are my sister. I have never looked at Vicky and said, hey, I want you to pretend to be my sister. Never done that. So that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Well, what's, what's that all about? Well, they're entering into enemy territory and he knew how beautiful his wife was and he had this fear gripped his heart that his life would get taken, that God wouldn't fulfill his promise. He's so filled with fear, he doubts God's ability to do what God told him he would do. So he asked his wife to lie because fear can often lead us away from God. Fear can often cause us not to obey or listen to the promises of God, but lead us into sinful behavior. And by the way, did you know that fear is the only weapon Satan has to use against you? He doesn't have anything else. It's just, it's just fear. So many people are afraid and live in fear and they pull away from the blessings of God. So many marriages are crippled by fear. So many relationships with God are crippled by fear. God asks us to trust him. We don't. We fear. We come up with some situation. God says, hey, I want you to trust me with the, the tithe. That's Old and New Testament, by the way. But if we fear, then we're not going to obey. And fear robs us of the anointing and blessing of God on our lives. God calls us to be generous. But in wanting to be generous, you know, God, God asks us, he lays something on our heart to be generous. But instead, we, we have fear and we, we pull back and it keeps us from joy. God invites us to participate in things like mission trips, a lot of kunga. <laughs> Come on, some of you had this, but fear kept you from stepping out, right? Right? Because you're like, I don't want to go there and eat 
you know, all whatever and lay on the ground, have snakes crawl across me. I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you this, when that Latakunga group comes back, <laughs> they're going to have a joy to an entirely different measure than you have. Why? Because they didn't allow fear to constrict them from what God was calling them to do. Instead of building one another up in our relationships with increasing faith. So part of a relationship is to lift up faith in each other. And we often, what we do is tear each other down with fear. We destroy relationships with fear. So often in our marriages, we've talked ourselves into faith, Vicki and I. I mean, literally had to talk us, talk ourselves into it. I was thinking this week, when we took our first pastorate, um, we, had, we had great fear that really hit us with that. We were on staff at a very large church. And um, to take this, we'd have to take like a 50 or 60% cut in pay. And so we... We, we had fear. It was fearful for us. So what we did was we came up with this plan. We sold our house. We had a little bit of equity in our house that we were going to make. And we thought we can live a couple years off of that. That will sustain us to get the church growing and, and, um, and all that. And then, um, and I don't have time for the whole story, but the people that bought our house, uh, you know, walked in two months afterwards and walked out of the deal and we lost all of our equity i don't have time to explain how that all happened but in a moment when we got a phone call fear come on anybody ever been there i know none of you ever worry about finances well we did and i'm telling you fear wrapped itself around our hearts that night and it paralyzed us for several days until we just we just said, listen, we are not going to be controlled by this. We believe God brought us here. We believe God will provide for us. We don't see it, but we're going to step out and believe God in faith. We are not going to become a victim of fear. And I just wish I had time this morning to tell you how God, then as we did that, how God just opened door after door of blessing in our lives. The second faith blessing that we see that you might see in yourself here is we can get ahead of God. Now watch Sarai, what she did in Genesis chapter 16. So we're jumping ahead a little bit in the story, same story. Genesis chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me. Now see, come on, now she's turning the blame on God. He promised this to us, and now he's not doing it. He has kept me from having children. And so she says, go sleep with my maidservant. And then notice what she says. Perhaps, perhaps I can build a family through her. Trying to force what God had already promised. Trying to take it on herself because she wasn't seeing it happen. What didn't she say? She didn't say, Abram, God has promised us children. God told us we would be a people of a great nation. God has always been faithful to us. God is still faithful to us. We don't see it yet, but he's never failed us before. No, no, no. She takes it into her own hands. She begins to force the situation. And here's this, here's this wimp of a man, Abram, who's like, 
okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> you know, he didn't have to have his arm twisted. And, uh, and so Abram gives in and he sleeps with her maidservant and she got a son like she wanted. But the result of what she forced was not the promise of God. And what would come from that is years of bitterness and anger and contention and jealousy and trouble because they tried to force something that was not yet in God's timing. You know, I've counseled uh, for decades girls who were good Christians, but they would get anxious because it didn't seem like God had brought them somebody yet or or, or whatever the reasons would be. And rather than wait on God, they would settle for some guy who was not a Christian young man. They would settle for some guy that just had a pulse and a wallet. And then they would come in later after that and their life would be in such horrible pain because when you force what is not God's will, it robs you of the joy that God wants to give you when you step out and trust him in faith. You see it in marriages. Young couples want the material blessings in their 20s that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa have in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, but they want it all now. So instead of waiting on God, instead of managing their money well, wisely, they'll buy everything now, put it all in a financial noose around their neck, and then in a short time they are dangling, dying. You, you, you see a woman who is married to a non-Christian guy, and she wants so desperately for him to be a Christian. But instead of winning him with godliness and patience and prayer, she hounds him constantly and makes his life just miserable and he never wants anything to do with God. See, here's what, here's what we have to remember over and over and over again in our journey. In our journey, we have to remember the promises that come from the word of God. They that wait upon the Lord, they that wait shall renew their strength shall mount up with wings as eagles, shall run and not grow weary, shall walk and not faint. And so in our journey, you have to learn to wait on him. You, you wait on him when you're going through a valley of death, or you wait on him when money seems to be running low. You wait on him when the doctor gives you horrible news and you don't see any way out. You just, you wait on him. And here's what I can, here's what I can tell you. God knows what it is that he wants to accomplish through and in your life for his glory and for your benefit. Even if you don't see it yet, just wait on him. And Sarai panics. She gets ahead of God. And that leads us to this third faith lesson, which is this. We don't believe God will do it for us. He may do it for someone else. He may answer your prayers, but I don't think he's going to answer mine. I, I, I hear the testimony how God has answered your prayer, but I'm not seeing it in my life. He may do a miracle for you, but I don't think he's going to move in my life in time. Now, I understand. Let, let's, just get, let's just get real practical. I understand why Sarai and Abram got so impatient. I, I do. From a human perspective, I, I see how they would feel this way. So I'm not here to lecture them. 
Because these verses that, that we're reading are about 30 years now after the promise God had given them that they would have many, many, many children. After he'd given them, after he had said, Abram and Sarah, Sarah, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna have lots and lots and lots of kids, and you're gonna be an incredible nation. And they're excited about this over here, but now we're 30 years down the road, and there is no children, and she has become now old. I understand how disconnecting it is when you pray, when I pray. And we don't seem to get answers right away. I, I, I get that. I've experienced that. 30 years now, no baby, great nation, fear, doubt. And it is in the waiting, oh, this is huge. It is in the waiting period that we tend to lose our faith and stop trusting God's promise. It's interesting what Abraham and Sarah both did when God finally comes to fulfill the promise. It's actually, it's still Abram and Sarai, but here's what it says in verse 17, chapter 17. Abraham fell asleep face down. He laughed. <laughs> he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah have a baby at 90? And he laughs, come on, he laughs at God. Sarah had a very similar response and a similar laugh at God's promise. In chapter 18, verse 12, it says, So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out, and my master, my husband, is old, will I now have this pleasure? She's being sarcastic, because if you're 90 years old, having a baby, not pleasurable, right? A little sarcasm. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Their response to God and his promises. What is your response in the midst of God's promptings in your life? Promises that you felt he gave to you. He, he prompts you maybe to give and you're like, really God? Like, did you not see the checkbook this week? You want us to give and we have no resources and we laugh at God. He, he moves on you to start a ministry. Or serve in some ministry. And you're like, really? We are so busy. We aren't trained. We aren't qualified. We laugh at God. We feel him pressing on us, but we laugh at God. He, he moves you to volunteer in some ministry here. And you're like, do you know how much time and energy and sacrifice it would take for me to do that? And God's like, I never thought of that. You're right. And then in verse 14, God asked this question that must have pierced their souls just as I hope it pierces your soul today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I believe at that moment something shifted in their faith. They're like, oh yeah, you're the, you're the God who says all things are possible. You're the God who has moved in every step of our journey. You're the God that says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. You're the God who says, I'll provide for you everything you need along the way. You're the God who says, I am the Lord, your God who heals you. You are the God that says, is there anything too hard for me? This is, this is I wish I had more time. Listen, in this moment, God changes things in their perspective. He Oh, man, this is good. He gives them new names. <laughs> he didn't give them new names for himself. He gave them new names for themselves. For whatever your past, <laughs> God has a new name for you today. You thought, you look at your life and you see some area that seems beyond hope, or you look at your past and you see something that's beyond repair, you see something that is beyond the resource that you have. You thought your name was failure, but God has a new name for you today. You thought your name was broke, but he has a new name. You, you thought your name was just lustful. God's got a different name and purpose for you today. You, 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 thought, you thought your name was depression. And that's all you've ever known your name to be. But God told me to come in here this morning and tell you today that your name is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And what, and what I would say to some of you today is stop living by your old name. Stop living for who, what you used to be. God has given you a new name and a new purpose in your life. And whatever it is that you're facing today, I would just say to you, do you really think whatever is in front of you is too hard for God? Well, I don't see it, Pastor. I don't know how it can happen. The doctor said this. The bank said this. I get that, but is anything, anything too hard for God? Well, you don't know how bad our marriage is, Pastor. Well, I don't, but I've seen some pretty bad ones and I've counseled some pretty bad marriages. Do you not believe that in a moment, come on, a moment the power of God could not come upon your marriage and melt the hearts of stone and fill what was bitter with sweetness and hope and joy and love again. I've seen it. Oh, Pastor, our kids are so far away from God. They're like a total mess. And Do you think the Holy Spirit do you think he could not get a hold of your little boy or your little girl, whatever their age is, and fill with them, fill their heart with conviction, even in a pig pen of a mess, and fill with them, fill them with so much love that they would just come running all the way home with a broken and repentant heart into your arms? <laughs> is, come on, is anything too hard for God? 
Abraham and Sarah were faithless. I've been faithless. But the last season of your life can be different than the first. You can be characterized as being a faithful man or a faithful woman of God. Jump ahead in Romans chapter 4. Uh, Abraham and Sarah messed up. But listen, they messed up in the Old Testament. Here's how the New Testament remembers them. <laughs> Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He's too old. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. But verse 20 Yet he did not waver through his unbelief regarding the promise of God, what was strengthened, but was strengthened by his faith. And he gave glory to God, being fully, not partially, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised he would do. <laughs> oh, man. If life doesn't go as you planned it, remind yourself of this verse. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. The purpose God has for your life is not done. Your, your, your vision may not see it. Your faith may not be strong enough, but God is not finished with you. God has a purpose that he will prevail in your life. Because even in moments when you are faithless, listen to this, he is still faithful would you stand with me and bow your heads i want to give you just an opportunity as we do each week just to spend a moment in prayer at these altars in a moment they will sing i just want to invite you to prepare your heart maybe to come and pray about something oh god thank you for what you are saying to us there are so many of us here today that maybe need to come and kneel in your presence and seek your face that you would give us a greater faith for whatever it is we're facing, for whatever it is you want to do in our lives. And I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us now. I pray you would convict us. I, I pray you would give us greater faith today. I pray that you would give us greater marriages today, greater love for one another today, that, that our relationships with people around us would be characterized by that of joy and hope, that we would build one another up in love. And Lord, I just pray that as we respond to you today, we would find you very faithful just want to invite you to a time of prayer. Maybe you need to come and pray for a greater faith for whatever it is you're facing. Maybe some of you are filled with doubt and you need to just lay that down. Maybe you need to come and pray for a renewed love in your marriage. I've had so many just different notes this week of just people's marriages getting better. Praise God. Maybe you need a new name today. Maybe you're living by that old name and Satan just brings it up every day and today you're just saying, God, give me a new name. Maybe you want to come and have prayer for healing. We'll be down here if you want to be anointed. They're going to sing. I'm going to give you a moment to come and pray.